Good morning. Welcome to the gathering of Recreate Church. I'm happy to see y'all. I'm very blessed to see y'all this morning. You see, some people wanted to be here this morning and couldn't make it. But you made it. You made it. You got here mostly on time-ish for the most part. Some of you got here early. Some of you got here, and I'm just I'm happy for that. There's lots of stuff that might hold us back from being a part of this today. And yet you made it. So just reach out and fist bump somebody nearby you and say, I'm so glad you made it today. So glad you made it today. I'm going to reach down here to my wife and say, I'm so glad you made it today. And while you're at it, just look over at him and say, you're so lucky to be sitting next to me. Oh, my goodness. Um, Billy did an amazing job last week talking about the storm at the sea. Um, I'm, he did an amazing job. I'm so glad to, to be back in the saddle for this story. It's one of my most favorite stories in the gospel because it's so unusual, and it is a story that in the book of Mark that Mark seems to have loved. Or You remember it was Simon Peter probably who was giving this information to Mark. So we, when we read the gospel of Mark, what we're probably reading almost certainly reading, is the, the memoirs of Simon Peter. He was the mentor to Mark. So Mark and Simon loved action. And this one is full of action. We're going to see some wild stuff going on here. If there was ever a hopeless case, it was the man we're going to meet in this story. The odds were against him, maybe 6,000 to one, he was so messed up. His life was so messed up. It looked impossible to ever get right again. He didn't have a snowball's chance in a very hot place. Or because we're in rural Appalachia, we'll say he didn't have a deviled egg's chance of making it through a Baptist potluck. Okay. Some of y'all got that. Yeah, some of you. It's, it, yeah. The deviled eggs just don't make it. You're going to have leftover deviled eggs? No, you're not. No, you're not. You think you're going to, but you're not. So um, the problems he had looked absolutely impossible. And, um, un and they were. They were impossible until he met the God of possibilities. If you've ever been in a bad situation and you feel like it's not ever going to get better that nothing's going to change, that you're stuck, that whatever is holding you down or holding you back or has got you chained down is always, always going to be this way. Lean into this story. Or if you have got somebody in your life that you care about who seems like they can never get free of the things that they are dealing with, never get freedom, then listen to this story. Don't miss this story. We're going to see that Jesus is greater than anything that holds you back. Anything. Jesus is greater. Say those words. Jesus is greater than anything that holds you back. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts now. I give you this whole message. It is from you. And may you do with it as pleases you. And help us to see that there is nothing that can hold us back when you're calling us forward. In Jesus' name, amen. So, 
If you remember from last time, if you weren't here, go back and check out the podcast. Uh, Jesus and his disciples were crossing the Sea of Galilee, and they got caught up in that storm, and that's the story where Jesus told the wind and the waves to stop, and the disciples were like, whoa, who's this guy? Well, you've been hanging out with him. Are you really that surprised at his power? Sometimes we're still surprised at the power of God, aren't we? Even if you've been hanging out with God for a while. So they're surprised. They land on the southeastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And that's where Mark chapter 5 begins. They, they land in this region that is called by several names in the Gospels. You'll see it as uh, Gadara or Gerasa or Gergasa. So you might see the land of the, the Gerasenes or Gergasenes or, or uh, Gadarenes. All the same place. And the name doesn't matter so much. But it is probably important to know that this region was populated mostly by Gentile people, by non-Jewish people, which is going to explain all the pigs we're about to see. The Jewish people considered pork unclean. That was part of their law. So they would not have had pigs because all my life I've heard this preached that uh, this, these pigs probably shouldn't have been raised anyway if these were Jewish people. But they probably weren't Jewish people. We don't know that for sure. But this region was mostly a Gentile area, even though it was very close to the rest of Israel. So the place where they landed on the shore was full of tombs. Tombs. It was, well, don't imagine like a graveyard like we know. In our culture, in our place, uh, we, what seems normal to us is when someone passes, we, we put their body in a box and we bury it in the ground and mark it with a marker. That's what we're used to. That would be, that's our normal that wasn't their normal there. For the most part, people living in the Middle East would have considered our traditions to be strange, just as we look on their traditions to be strange. I mean, this would have been a lime caves or, or holes dug back in the limestone bedrock. Imagine kind of like a hillside or cliffs with like holes in it. It looks like somebody's been digging in it. Kind of like... Um, the tomb of Jesus, maybe you've seen that depicted in movies or in art or something. It was a hole back in the rock where they would lay the bodies. So instead of digging in the dirt and burying their dead, they would place a body inside of one of these caves and seal it off the entrance with a big rock, normally. And the rock would stay there, at least for a while. But after maybe hundreds of years, these rocks would crumble or or get moved, um, or you know something would happen, so you would have these exposed openings, and that would be pretty creepy, wouldn't it? I mean, it's like a big empty eye socket in a skull in the side of a hill, and kind of like scary movie type stuff, and then you think about, hold on, what's in those holes? It's a bunch of dead people, dead old bones, so it's kind of creepy, but it gets creepier, and uh, so inside... These tombs, not everything was dead. There was a man living in there with the dead bodies. Aren't you glad you came to church service this morning and hear this good, heartwarming Christmas message about a dude living with a bunch of dead bones? So I'll get more Christmassy next week, okay? I just busted out the Christmas sweater this week just to give you just to keep you on your toes, okay? I don't want you to think you can expect. You know, what's going to happen here? For those listening to the podcast, say hey. By the way, say hey to everybody listening to the podcast. We have people in like 20-some countries. Um, for those listening to the podcast, I have a Darth Vader sweater on that says, I find your lack of cheer disturbing. 
So they can't see. I got to explain it to them because they can't see. Someone said, why don't you do more YouTube videos? Two reasons. That's a lot of work to get all those online. And I feel like I got more of a face for radio. So we're just going to roll with that. So uh, let's read this story here about these. What about this? What kind of a guy lives in a cave with bones? Let's find out. I think uh, I I would say I think you're going to like him. I think you're going to find him interesting. Because where we find him right now, he is not in a good place in his life. Mark chapter 5, beginning at verse 2. And when he had come out of the boat, that's just after crossing the sea, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him, and always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. The Gospel of Luke also records the same story and adds uh, another colorful little bit of information that this gentleman uh, was severely lacking in proper attire. Or, as I would have said it growing up, he was naked. He had no clothes. So, what would you do? (laughs) Tell me, please. What would you do if you're one of the disciples and you get out of the boat and here comes running at you this wild, screaming, bleeding, naked, demon-possessed dude with supernatural strength? What would you do? Would you run? Get back in the boat? I figured some of y'all went to Diamond Dave's ninja school and you'd give him a Judy chop. Now, a few of you have seen that. <laughs> Judy Chop. I'll give that pot liquor a Judy Chop. Uh, this guy was in a desperate, desperate condition. Sometimes I throw those jokes in just for a few of you. You're, you're welcome. People had tried to restrain him with shackles and with chains, but he broke the ch- shackles and the chains. He must have been violent. He mu- Obviously, he's running around screaming. He's, it's going to be difficult for him to live in a town. So they they drove him away, and he's living in these tombs. And this is where he's spending his existence, living among the dead, crying out, hurting himself because of the torture of the evil spirits that had stolen his life from him. Pitiful, pitiful shape. Now, I, I realize somebody will hear me talking about evil spirits and demons and stuff, and I'm like, hey, do you have to talk about that? Um, in our culture, the idea of evil spirits afflicting a person Sounds uncomfortable, yes, but very also far-fetched. Like, ooh, is that real? Is that real? Well, there's some, there's some evil out there. It's uncomfortable to talk about. Our culture is very uncomfortable with that idea, and yet, at the same time, comfortable with a lot of other things that steal life and freedom and put people in chains. Our culture does not seem too bothered when people are shackled by addiction and by anxiety and depression, and debt, and sickness, and darkness, and unforgiveness. Like, where's society worried about that? Those are terrible afflictions to be dealing with. Jesus came to set people free from all their chains. All their chains. So people who knew this man chained him up because he was an inconvenience. Were they interested in helping him? I don't know. We don't know. But they figured they couldn't help him. They gave him up as a lost cause. And when they couldn't chain him up, 
they pushed him out. But Jesus is not going to do that. Jesus is going to do something for him. Imagine, church folks, imagine for a moment if church folks had less of a reputation of being mad at people and more of a reputation of being mad for people. Angry and upset and hurt that so many people are going through life shackled and chained and missing out on the love and the life and blessings that God has waiting for them. What if we got a little more mad at that? Mad about that. Mad for people, not just mad at people. Look at what they're doing. Yeah, yes. And if you were, if you were lost, you'd be doing that too. If we just get mad for people and pray for their deliverance, cry out for their deliverance. Despite everything that would have held this man back, he comes running to Jesus, literally running to Jesus. I can imagine it as, I'm, I'm sure when, when this guy stopped, I think that the disciples were all very relieved and also probably looking for a change of shorts. I don't know I'd, how I'd feel. So let's look at verse 6 real quick. That is not referenced in the scriptures. That's a little bonus content for you. Please don't take it too literally. Those are just going to go. We'll make speculation one thing and the scriptures another thing. Okay. Verse 6. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him and cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I implore you that by God that you do not torment me. Cool that this guy knew who Jesus was or the... Whoever was talking knew who Jesus was. Let's ask a question. Why would you run toward someone when you were afraid they would torment you? Well, you, you wouldn't, right? You wouldn't. So what's going on here? We're see, we see two forces at work inside this man pulling on him. The, the evil spirits are clearly the ones doing the talking at this point. We can see that from the context. And they clearly don't want to be near Jesus. So who is taking them toward Jesus? The man, that's the part that he is in control of. He's running to Jesus even against the, the will and the power of these evil spirits. There's a part of him that's longing for freedom and forgiveness, but this other power is, is trying to tear him back. The demons must have told him to run away from Jesus, but he was so desperate for his life to change that he ran to jesus he fell at the feet of the lord do you believe we also have some battles inside of us that there are forces pulling on us trying to keep us away from god and at the same time you know the holy spirit's trying to bring us to god there's a battle inside of us and the darkness and light is is playing out even within us jesus offers freedom but the devil doesn't want us free the devil wants us in chains if you're praying for yourself to be free from something or from some kind of change or if you are praying for somebody you care about to be able to be free of something that's holding them down and holding them back understand you might have to pray really hard because there's some very powerful things pulling in the other direction. There, breakthrough may not come until there's a su sufficient sense of need, of urgency, of desperation. I hate feeling desperation. I hate it. 
Yesterday, at this time yesterday, I was feeling desperation because I was not prepared for this moment. And that is not a fun feeling. I don't know what every, every, most people have bad dreams about, but I'm going to tell you what I have bad dreams about. It's technical difficulties in church services. That's a very specific thing. Like, I dreamed the other night that I went to some sort of a conference, and I got there, and they said, oh, by the way, you're in charge of putting together the slideshow. I was like, this ain't my place. All right, where's the computer? Let's figure this out. And we couldn't find the computer. That's a dumb thing to dream about. But it's that desperation. It also was like, Lord, you've got to help me get some of this stuff together. <laughs> Please, Lord. Um, desperation, though, is powerful fuel for prayer. I don't think we ever pray as sincerely as when we feel that sense of desperation. I've often asked the Lord, Lord, why isn't this situation changing? How bad does it have to get before you help us, Lord? And the answer eventually came. How bad does it have to get before you'll really pray? And you know, Kate, we've had some opportunity to pray pretty hard, haven't we? Over the last 10 years or so with my wife's health and, and things that we've gone through financially, we've got some opportunities to get kind of desperate and as uncomfortable as desperation is, sometimes you don't really pray like you should until it's very, very desperate. Desperation is the door that breakthrough walks through. This man was desperate, so desperate for change that even these demons could not hold him back. He couldn't win this fight without Jesus and who comes running to Jesus. So Jesus asks... What is your name? Now, I want to make, let's, let's get this clear, revisit this. All right, from what we can tell, who is doing the running? The man himself. He ran to Jesus. Now, who is doing the speaking, it seems? The evil spirits seem to be the ones speaking here. So Jesus asked, this verse 9, What is your name? And he, meaning the evil spirits collectively, answered saying my name is legion for we are many boy that's creepy and it gets much creepier when you kind of dig it all out jesus asked the evil spirit to identify itself jesus already knew did did jesus need information anytime jesus asks a question in the scriptures he doesn't need information he already knows it so it's for the benefit of the the person he's speaking to or the people listening he asked the name in the Bible, names are powerful. Names are often an insight into character. If you remember Jacob from the Old Testament, his name meant deceiver. And what did Jacob do for pretty much the first half of his life? He was constantly deceiving people. And then the second half of his life, he was being deceived. But anyway, to name something is to know something about it. And in this case, Jesus wanted the problem named, and then he was going to deal with it. Now, for you and I, we will have to name the problem before we can get victory over it you're you're not likely to be set free from something if you don't recognize it for what it is and admit that it's a struggle pretty much every 12-step program that exists has the same first step to admit you've got a problem and that you can't fix it on your own and so much of getting help from god is admitting we've got a problem and we cannot fix it on our own the First step of salvation is admitting we have a sin problem and we have, a, we have a problem that we cannot fix on our own, that we need something greater. We need God to help us. 
if you want victory over your darkness, you're going to have to just be honest about it. If you've got something that's going on, say, Lord, and if you don't know what it is, say, Lord, what is it? Let's identify this thing. Let's name it and let's give it to Jesus. So this evil spirit identified himself as legion. What does that mean? Legion, a legion was a unit of the Roman army. And the largest unit of the Roman army, up to 6,000 soldiers in a Roman legion. And this is really an indication that, that there wasn't just one evil spirit in this man, but lots and lots, maybe maybe thousands, maybe up to 6,000. How does anybody ever get in such a shape as this? How? Well, it probably wasn't all at once. It was probably one bad decision at a time, one compromise at a time, one step away from God at a time. Uh, someone overheard this morning that... Uh, that I've I spent some time in prison. I do want to clarify that. Not as a prisoner. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I've been I've been on the inside. I've been in prison for four whole days, praying with people. <laughs> yeah, it was prison ministry. Just to clarify, it was prison ministry, not incarcerated. Uh, hopefully, never be there. But hey. If they make loving Jesus illegal, I'll probably be there. So I met some guys in there. Um, guys who never dreamed they would end up in that place. I met, I, I met guys who were college educated. I met guys who were veterans. I met guys who were preacher's kids. I really didn't enjoy meeting the one, the preacher's kids who were locked up because I got a few of those. They don't seem to be all that criminal. I don't think. I think they're going to be okay. I hope. But also, I met this one guy who had been a gospel singer. I'm pretty sure his name was Randall. I can see his face, but I, I'm, I'm going to call him Randall. Randall was a guy who traveled around and sang gospel music and had like this band with his family and and he was doing great, and he had a business as a contractor, and he was doing really good until he's, he hurt his back. And he got messed up on pain pills. Happens all the time. And when he got messed up on pain pills and he couldn't get the pain pills, he started resorting to some shady things to get, to get the money or to get them. And, and one thing led to another, led to another, led to another. And this guy who had been a gospel singer traveling around the churches all the time is serving life for armed robbery. And he's like, man, I never thought my life would end up this way. That's a tough thing to hear, isn't it? It only takes one step towards the darkness to set you on a path of destruction. But, and this is the good part, it only takes one step in the direction of Jesus to begin the journey to freedom. So I don't know what you got going on today. I hope it's not leading up to armed robbery. I'm rooting for it not to. I recommend against incarceration you don't want to eat that prison food i promise you but whatever it is one step in the direction that jesus wants you to go can make a difference one step towards freedom one step there may be stuff going on that nobody even knows about one step though 
in the right direction. So the evil spirits, they know who Jesus is. They tremble before him. Sometimes Jesus doesn't get respect of people. And boy, it hurts my heart when I hear people use the name of Jesus like a, like a curse word. It does, it does happen. Uh, that Even that's not the unforgivable sin or anything. But man, it hurts because if I was like, man, if they knew who Jesus was, they wouldn't talk like that. These demons, these evil spirits knew who Jesus was and they're, they're very much um, subjecting themselves. You know, like, hey, please don't, don't hurt us. Please don't, um, don't send us away. They begged not to be sent away. Luke's account specifies that the evil spirits didn't want to be sent to, to what some translations call the abyss and some call the bottomless pit. And that's referenced in the book of Revelation. It is, it's essentially a jail for, for evil spirits. So it just so happens, though, that there was a huge herd of pigs nearby, 2,000 or so pigs, hogs, and the evil spirits begged to be sent into the pigs. Okay, that's weird, right? That's unusual. Like, why? why what's this about? Um, I think if I was, like, making up Bible stories, I would not put that in there, but this is a record of what really happened, so... What's going on? A strange request. And it's even more strange that Jesus honored the request of these evil spirits. The evil spirits were, were pulled out of the man and went into these 2,000 pigs and the whole herd of pigs ran violently off a cliff into the sea and drowned. Weird. Very weird. Very unusual. Very strange. Uh, stories like that don't usually make like the good night bible kids version i don't think that was in the good night bible we used to read our kids remember the time all the pigs ran in the sea daddy nope nope that wasn't in there so from our perspective we could probably spot some better solutions i'm sure um the, the demon said please don't send me to evil spirit jail i don't know why the demons sound like mickey mouse either i just it just went right there it just came out of my mouth it's like, oh no, oh, we're in the abyss. Sorry, guys. It's the asthma. It's the asthma again. This, you know, took a hit off my asthma inhaler, and it, you know, I'm going to blame it on that. So um, we would say, well, okay, Jesus. So you have this evil spirit jail you could send the evil spirits to, and they have recently reminded you that you could send them there and you decide not to send the evil spirits to evil spirit jail. Why? 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 Why not? Well, here's what. First of all, let me throw this out there. The day is coming when the devil and all his helpers will be locked away forever and ever and ever. And won't that be a nice day? Imagine a world with no devil in it. People think that the devil is in hell, that he's sort of chilling on a on a throne with a pitchfork no 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 please don't get your theology from bugs bunny and from whatever cartoons are still out there because honest the, the devil has not been there the devil's hanging out on earth making problems here can you tell have you noticed have you been looking around i'm pretty sure he's hanging around here and he's making problems here but the day is coming when he's going to be locked away forever. And that will be amazing. In the meantime, Jesus does not send these evil spirits to evil spirit jail. He sends them into these pigs. Why? Well, 
He didn't come out and tell us why. We have a pretty good idea. This was a powerful visual demonstration of the terrible condition that gripped this man. It was so awful that it caused the demise of 2,000 pigs. That's how destructive sin is. That's what sin does. Sin destroys. It's a miracle that these evil spirits had not taken the life of this man as it was because there's some evidence from other parts in the scriptures that these evil spirits would, would drive people to hurt themselves in such a way or to end their own lives or to, to real, destroy themselves. So it's, it's a miracle he made it this far. And instantly these hogs were destroyed. Also, it demonstrates the incredible value that God puts on people. In today's money, a full-grown hog would easily be $500, maybe a lot more. So if there's 2000 at at least $500 a piece, you're talking about a million dollars. That's a lot of money. Even in the pitiful, pathetic shape this man was in, he was worth more than a million to the Lord. Absolutely. God values you like that too. Even if you were so messed up, there were 6,000 demons running through you, he values you that much too. And he values some of the people that you have a hard time valuing too. And we've all got some of those people that it's kind of hard for us to feel positively towards them. Jesus loves them that much too. These days, I got to address this, these days folks have a much softer spot towards animals than people of the past. And you're going to say, what about the pigs? That was very unfair for the pigs and you know what? I'll agree with you. That wasn't, was not a good day to be a hog down in Gadara. It was a real bad day for that. Do you know that God loves animals too? He made them. He created them. He loves animals more than any of us do. More than the biggest animal lover. But he loves people that much more. He loves people that much more. So you, you should never mistreat an animal but even more, you should never mistreat a person. And then, because we are in the South, we have to address one more thing. Someone's going to say, Preacher man, what about all that bacon that just went over the cliff? I see some heads nodding. What about that? Let me tell you, brother, you don't want none of that. That is deviled ham. <laughs> deviled ham. And it just took a dip in the sea. So that is the very first deviled ham dip. You don't want that. Y'all didn't see that coming? I thought I was setting you up good for that one. That one took you by surprise? All right. Y'all need to pay better attention. I'm telling you what. Deviled ham dip. I should have titled this sermon, Deviled Ham Dip. And we, if we had like a marquee out front, Deviled Ham Dip. I bet people would show up for that. They got Deviled Ham Dip in there. They got some of them good crackers to go with it. Some of them little pretzel crackers. That's the good stuff. Love me. Some Deviled Ham Dip. Ain't so much into the devil, but he makes some good ham dip. Credit where credit is due. I don't know. I tried to look up why they call it deviled ham dip, and I didn't get a real definitive uh, example. I mean, like definition or deviled eggs for that matter. I'm sure somebody knows, and I have heard some um, ladies of God who won't call them deviled eggs. These here are angel eggs, sweetheart. We ain't giving no glory to the devil for these eggs. They're angel eggs. 
Do angels lay eggs? I don't think so. But devils don't either. I don't know. Deviled ham dip. Only here. Aren't you glad you showed up? So let's read what happens next after the deviled ham dip. Verse 14. So those who fed the swine fled. Good call. Good call, guys. And they told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it, what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion of demons sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. That's interesting. They were afraid when they saw him clothed and in his right mind. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with Jesus to depart from their region. Hmm. What a miraculous change has come over this man. He's in his right mind now, and good news, he's wearing clothes. I'd say I'll call that a positive change. Naked crazy guy, now clothed sane guy. Good, this is good. Um, sometimes people ask about our dress code. Um, for Recreate Church, and it, it is so simple. It is two words. Some of y'all know it. Our dress code is wear clothes. Does it have to be fancy clothes? Nah, I don't care. Can it be comfortable clothes? I'm wearing a Darth Vader sweater. What do you want? I mean, I'm, this is, do you need a better example? I don't care what you wear. Dress up, dress down, do wear something, and make sure there's enough of it not to be in a distraction. Fair? Good. All right. Where did this guy get these clothes at? Hopefully he didn't get them out of the tombs. That would be a little weird. I'd say maybe the disciples had some extra clothes with them or something. Maybe some Jesus people gave him some clothes. Um, the part of this that is most surprising to me is not that the man was delivered from this evil. It's that the people were scared. They didn't like it. It didn't seem to bother him so much, bother them so much when this poor man was under the power of evil. When he was set free, they didn't like it. They wanted Jesus gone. Now, to be fair, uh, there's an economic impact of losing 2,000 hogs, yes. But they were scared. They didn't like the change that had come over the man. They, they missed that entirely. Please remember this, and I want to say this as, as gently as possible. There may be some people in your life who, who will not be excited when God starts making positive changes in your life. I mean, let's be honest. The liquor store doesn't want you sober. Facts. Amazon does not want you to be content with the things you already have. Jeff Bezos is so happy to send you more stuff in two days with Amazon Prime. The people who make money off of misery don't want you happy. The devil thrives off of you holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness and jealousy and negative self-image and negative body image, the devil does not want that to change. The lobsters in the kitchen on the Titanic were happy to see the ship go down. They were happy. And for some people, positive change in your life will expose how they need positive change in their lives. And that might make them very uncomfortable. Because if you're becoming more of the person God wants you to be, and they are not, and they know they're not, and hey, some, one of the, some, for some people, one of the worst things you can do is be right. 
Mm. So be understand that if the Lord is making changes in your life, even very good changes like for this man, there's some people who are not going to be happy about that. But this man, oh boy, wasn't he happy. Oh, he's happy. He's so happy. He's finally free at last. Imagine everything he's been through. And we, we have no idea the terrible experience that, that this man had. Uh, he, was, he wanted to go with Jesus. He said, Jesus, can I go with you? I'll join the traveling ministry team. I'll, I'll give my testimony everywhere. And Jesus said, no. Sorry, buddy. You can't come with us. Why? Come on, Jesus. I mean... Wouldn't that be a great testimony? Great story to tell. But Jesus said no. We have an idea that ministry means doing something like I'm doing now. Delivering a message in front of a crowd or, or singing in front of a crowd or, or ministering in some sort of a public way, a formal way. But Jesus told this man his ministry was to go home to his family and friends and let them see how much his life had changed and then tell them why it had changed because of what the Lord has done for him. I will tell you right now, the most powerful witness is rarely a sermon. People can pick sermons apart. People can turn sermons off. People can ignore a sermon. But it's really hard to ignore somebody who's been transformed. Somebody who has honestly been made into a new creation. There are... Listen, there are people who need to see a new you. And that will be the testimony that can do so much more than anything I can do to see the transformation in your life, to see the chains that have come off of you. People can argue with theology, but it's really hard to argue with someone who is, who is a new creation. People need to see that. Whatever you think is holding you back today, whatever you've carried in here with you, no matter what it is, it might be big, it might be bad, it might be scary, and I validate that. If you told me all that you're dealing with, I'd probably say, doggone you, man. Okay, I get that. That's rough. But I'll also tell you this. It's not more powerful than Jesus. Whatever's holding down that person that you care about, the person who cannot seem to get free from all the demons they're fighting with, it is not more powerful than Jesus. There were as many as 6,000 demons holding back this man, and yet nothing can hold you back when Jesus is calling you up. So right now, we need to be praying for somebody right now. And the person you need to be praying for might be you. We might start with you because you know your issues and your struggles better than you know other folks. You might need to pray for yourself. Have you got some stuff that you need freedom from? Have you got some things that you're holding on to from the past? Please let me tell you, the past is a point of reference. It is not a place of residence. It's time to be free of that. There may be some issues that run in your family. You can say, ah, well, my mom was like that. My dad was like that. Or, you know, grandpa was like, he did that too. Well, it might run in your family, but ain't it about time for it to run out? Let's make this the generation where it runs out. And we start something new. And you, you break that generational cycle. It can be done. Some of y'all are walking, living, breathing evidence that God can break cycles in families. For the better. 
Jesus offers freedom to those who come running for him. You are more than what has happened to you. You are more than what has been done to you. You are more than what you have done. Jesus is greater than your past. Jesus is greater than any financial struggle. He is greater than any family drama. Jesus is greater than the pain of your past. He's greater than the impossibility of your present. He's greater than the uncertainty of your future. Jesus is greater. So give it to him. Or maybe, or additionally, you might need to be praying for somebody, somebody you care about, somebody who desperately needs freedom. I want to remind you of this. You cannot change somebody by shaming them. Won't work. But you might change somebody by loving them, by praying for them. You'll never argue anybody into the kingdom of God. I tried. Anybody ever tried to do that? Oh, boy, does that work opposite of what you intend. You can't argue anybody into freedom. You can't shame anybody into freedom. You cannot bully or cajole or talk anybody into freedom. But you can maybe love them there. You can pray them there. So don't give up on anybody There is nothing holding anybody back that is more powerful than Jesus. So we're just going to pray right now. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we pray against all the powers of the darkness. We pray against the devil and all his legions. We pray against the things in our lives that are holding us down and holding us back. Lord, I pray against any spirit, any issue that is holding someone back from running to Jesus. God, I pray for whoever is listening to this that needs to be saved that right now they would come running to you in their hearts and ask for forgiveness. And if anyone's listening to this and you need to pray, pray right now, Lord, please, I cannot save myself. I need, I need help. Please save me, Lord. I believe in Jesus. I believe that he's your son. I believe that he died and rose again for me. And I want that new life that he offers. Lord, we pray with anyone who's praying that. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray for the the people in our lives who seem to be shackled to things. The people who have the whatever demons are holding them back, literal or metaphorical. God, we lift them up to you. We pray down strongholds. We pray for freedom. God, you can do anything. And there's nothing holding us back that is greater than you. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Keep on praying, folks. Keep on praying. Thank you for being a part of this. I do want to remind you, Christmas morning, Christmas Day is a Sunday this year, and we will have church service for whoever can come. If you can't make it, I understand. You'll be all right. We won't tell on you or anything. You know, you'll be just fine. But for everyone who can make it, we will have We'll have morning service here, normal 10 a.m. time service. All right, God bless you guys. Hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day. We'll send you on your way with a little more Christmas music. We'll see you next time.